0: So today we're very lucky we've got double olympian double world champion and also uh, held the world record for almost 10 years on the 50 backstroke we've got liam Tancock joining us today so cheers liam thanks for coming on nice to have you with us
1: how
2: are you very good yeah thanks for having me it's um it's quite it sounds quite cool when you say it like that so um <laughs> it's yeah it's all really good thank you
1: good good so obviously you know situation at the moment for everyone it's not good you know um but how are you coping with it have you got more time to maybe do some new hobbies i know you've been going walking a little bit you've been maybe doing things in your garden what have you been doing with lockdown yeah so
2: it is it's a strange environment it's one of those things that if you you know a year ago said this was going to happen to the to the world the world was going to go into lockdown and there was this global um pandemic it would yeah no one would believe you even if it was a film everyone's like that would never happen so it is a it is a strange environment but it's how you deal with that and how you um, how you look at it everyone's in the same boat I think that's the the biggest thing um, it's definitely given me a, an opportunity to to reset and refocus um, both personally uh, and from a from a business point of view so it's um, yeah, it's definitely strange. Uh, I think the first month, I you know, I I was um, challenged to do something a little bit different. I'm not used to running, so I was challenged to do sixty k in the month. Uh, so I was pleased with that. So almost set a, a little goal and a little challenge. Um, and this okay. month, was, uh, getting outside and um, doing some nice walks.
0: Yeah. yeah. Nice one, mate. Ah, sixty k. That's quite impressive. Sixty <laughs> hey. k.
2: For, for someone as you know, I was no good at running when I was an athlete. Um, I, I thought it sounded impressive until when I actually thought about it, I swam that much every week. So maybe it wasn't, but it was um, <laughs> the small wins at the moment. I'm no longer an elite athlete. And um, yeah, it was an opportunity to get out there and see some, um, you know, tread the path around, around where I live.
0: Yeah. Shout out Alex Swan for throwing the challenge down. <laughs> hey. you mentioned before um yeah, business for you guys like it's affecting you for for people that don't know you're obviously now the uh co-director uh Swimsy, a, a clothing brand for, Swimsy, uh, for swimming company and uh, yeah how's it going for you then guys everything must be closed down quite a bit are you still able to trade at all like what's the situation with that yeah so it
2: is we're we're, we're um yeah, so I guess a global, a global swimming brand um, and, you know, we've been going for sort of three or four years now. So when I retired from swimming, uh, it was quite a transition going into the world of work. Um, but it was something I was really passionate about. I wanted to stay in the sport of swimming. Uh, I felt like I had a lot to give and uh, I, I believe that there wasn't a uh, another clothing brand in the world of swimming like it. So, you know, we tried to create create a different vibe um i was always known as liam the swimmer from you know when i stepped in the pool till you know i stepped out of it really so there was that identity thing and i think if i spoke to lots of my friends you guys um and anyone at school people like the idea of the identity of being a swimmer so you know we try to portray that in our clothing um you know try and make it practical and try and make it uh something exciting something new for the for the world of swimming and it's been really good you know the build up over the last few years have been been really quite exciting um and like everyone the this this um current situation we see ourselves in is is affecting us like it's affecting everyone so it's all about you know using it to our advantage using it as a positive resetting refocusing and you know we will come out the the other end of it just like uh, just like everyone else we're going to you know refocus and come out stronger and that's the plan
1: it's a good plan it's a yeah. very very good plan i mean obviously you're broadening your scope of what you are offering um it started off as kind of onesies that was the big swimsy thing wasn't it at the start what's your biggest seller now is it still maybe onesies or
2: uh, yeah well, yeah that's our unique selling product is the is the onesie is the swimsy we call it a swimsy So it's a swimmer's onesie and that's sort of where it got its name from. Um, And it was, it was looking at things in a different way. We saw lots of young swimmers going to the pool, you know, early morning, late at night, almost in the pajamas. And it's like, well, how can we make them into a, into a sporting onesie? So it's easy for them to get in on and off, um, you know, before and after training. Um, It's, quicker and easy for the parents. It looks cool, but also it keeps you warm. And, you know, the biggest thing for me is, is what we try to bring to the swimming community is something that they actually sort of need. They don't necessarily know they need it. Um, but, you know, I, I was, I go to lots of different swim meets, junior swim meets, and, and, you know, there's people walking around getting cold. And as elite athletes, we knew that the importance of staying warm even to the point you're sweating before you go and race, that's where you perform the best. And I see all these juniors basically staying cold. So if we could create some clothing for them that they thought was cool, that they could wear, because it was cool, but the side effect of that, the actual bonus was it kept you warm, and, and potentially could have a bonus uh, when you come to compete. So there's there's things like that. You know, we created a, a water bottle, um, which has really gone down a storm. And, and again, one of the reasons for for that creating that product is um there was no there was real no uh, one liter water bottle out there um all the research says that you need to drink plenty probably more than you think during a training session uh but the research out there says not a lot of people do you know if, I, if we spoke to you guys we spoke to lots of different coaches parents and all the information we were getting was that it's it's the same thing you need to drink more to the athletes so um the swimmers get sick of hearing it and the coaches and the parents get sick of saying it. So if we can almost allow those swimmers, those young swimmers to take ownership themselves, we created a, a best practice session on the, on the side. So I don't know whether you can see that. So we've got the dry land warm up, preset, main set, warm down and stretch. So at, during a session, that's almost like a best practice. So by the end, during the stretch, at the end of the session, you should finish a one litre bottle. It comes yeah. with these yeah. front lines. So uh, that's, that's been, a, a, you know, a really good thing for us, but more, more for the fact it's, it's hopefully educating um, younger athletes on what they need to do to, to become a, you know, to become a good swimmer at the end of their good athlete.
1: Definitely. I think swimming is one of those sports, isn't it, where because you're in water, you don't notice that you're sweating. You don't notice that you're getting hot as you do in your training, you know, heart rate sets. I used to think I'm not that hot, but I'd be getting like a bit of a headache because heads pounding kind of, you, you are actually overheating a little bit. So I think sometimes, yeah, swimmers can, it's just one of those sports where it's easy to forget that you do dehydrate yourself just as much as any other sport, you do sweat.
0: Yeah, it's almost like you're saying with the, with the onesies and then with the bottles, we're having the, the session pranks. It's almost like almost tricking the, the young athletes into doing the right thing until they start taking the ownership of it. Like not in a devious way, but in like a good way. Like I said, we've spoke to loads of coaches and I know you'll have had the same feedback where coaches just can't get their athletes to drink or to, to do the right things to keep warm poolside. So yeah, I think it's been, uh, it's been really uh, good what you've been doing. It's been impressive watching you these last few years to see how Swimsy's grown and developed and like gone international. I mean, yeah, so you got your Exus Swimming shirt on there. We've got ours on as well. You know, everyone's got these swimsies on these days. So, uh.
2: <laughs> So yeah, and I, you know, we're trying to be fun with what we do. You know, yeah. swimming is about swimming fast and having fun. And we, you know, we've always talked about it. Happy swimmers are fast swimmers. Uh, I know that's your, your guys motto as well. And I, you know, I truly believe it. So, um, but also allowing them to take ownership of what they do. So if it's keeping warm, it's, you know, wearing the clothes to keep warm. Um, and just with these drinks bottles honestly you get a few at the end of the lane and the swimmers almost police themselves you know one swimmer says to the other one they're having a drink and they're like oh we're on the main set why are you still on the you know the preset <laughs> and it almost becomes a bit of a game a bit of a challenge and um you know ultimately the result is good because they're drinking more fluids and they're keeping hydrated um but as you say it's almost a subconscious it's almost like uh, not in the forefront of their mind until they get older and then they realise that, that, you know, that's um, a positive. Yeah. yeah,
1: definitely. I mean, at the moment, you've been um, with the situation going on. You have been doing some kind of charity items as well, uh, this being one of them.
0: Yeah, i have got a couple of the uh, the bearded hats here. <laughs> yeah,
1: so let's beat this. You've got also got some T-shirts, which uh, I think actually were, were shown on, was it ITV, I think, at one point? You weren't even aware that was going to happen, I don't think, were you? <laughs>
2: Uh, so, you know, we're all in a tough time out there and, um, you know, one of those things that we said at the beginning was was that we're all in the same boat, all the swimmers around the world. And actually, if you look at it, there's, um, you know, we're all quite similar, doesn't matter where you are. Uh, but we grew up sort of doing the same things. We went to, to morning training with our families. They took us there. There'll be people around the world doing the same things at the same time. We're all in lockdown at the moment, but we've all got this common uh, common cause. And, you know, we almost we almost did it as like, a, you know, how can we bring the swimming community together? How can we give, um, I guess, a bit of hope at the end? You know, we can't swim at the moment, although we've seen some really cool things with people, um, you know, getting in swimming pools or, you know, fake swimming on a skateboard or, you know, just trying to have some fun with it. It's It's been really interesting. So, yeah, we created this um I guess, small range of, of charity t-shirts, so 100% of the profits go to go to charity, which is, you know, what it's all about at the moment. At the moment. But it's it's more than that. We almost call it Swimmers United because we're all the same, we're all the same globally. And how can we, you know, join together to beat this? Um, and it's been really, you know, a really positive story. And as you say, like, it was, it was very positive and it even got picked up by um, ITVs this morning. Um, and it went on their show, and within 30 minutes, we sold out. So that was was super exciting. They're still online now, and we keep we keep producing them as long as people, um, you know, want to want to keep supporting the greater good. But you know, swimmers are swimmers, and we want to we want to be doing the right things. Yeah, awesome. Definitely.
1: Right? Yeah. I mean, obviously, you've come from being one of those swimmers, and um, now to co-director at Swimsey. I mean, what, what encouraged that transition and how have you found that transition?
2: I've actually loved it. Um, it's, it's been different. And if I was going to say anything, you know, life in your trunks is a lot easier. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and I, and I love, love my time of swimming. And, and you know, I went on for, for a long period of time. I, you know, retired when I was 30 which is quite old for a swimmer, but I think we're seeing the age range of swimmers going up now, which is is really good to see. I think that's um, partly to do with the support and the funding that, that UK Sport put in, um, but also the the training and the coaching techniques which are available. Um, you know, whether it's in the pool, on the land, in the gym, or, or your mind. I think there's there's a lot more a um, lot more out there now to support. Um, You know, I did it while I was doing a degree at Loughborough, and and absolutely loved it. So I think that's a a really important thing to do as well, the educational side. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, but it's it was a strange one. So my, you know, lots of people said to me that I should retire after the London 2012 games, Um, but I wasn't ready to retire yet. And I think for me, it was it should have been my choice. and it was difficult, I, you know. The, the few years after London, I had a few, you know, a few injuries, and ultimately it was a, a tough few years. And you know, arguably, I probably wasn't at my best, but I still loved it, and I wasn't ready to do it. So, from a mindset point of view, it wanted it, it. I felt like I needed to control that, not someone else doing it, because I felt I would have left the sport and regretted it. So. Um, you know, and it was pretty—you know—it's pretty amazing experience. I still got to race, you know, the World Championship final in 2015, Commonwealth Games medals in uh, in 2014 at home, Commonwealths in Glasgow. Um, so I had some good successes after it, but it was, um, yeah, it was 2016. I didn't make the the Olympic team for Rio, um, and um, I was already planning my sort of escape and my my next phase of my journey. So. From 2012, I realised, you know, what was the next step going to be? Um, I didn't know, like most athletes, like most swimmers, they don't really think about it. You know, we're, we're, we're going to swim forever. I knew that wasn't going to be the case, but I had my degree, which was great. But I didn't really know what field I wanted to go into. I didn't know what job I wanted to go into. Um, so I actually went, went online um, and spoke to lots of different people, whether it's friends or family whether it is people in business. Um, I was lucky enough to meet lots of contacts through the years, whether it's through sponsorship or family friends or, um, and just ask them about their job. I said, you know, I like the sound of your job, what is it? What's, you know, what do you actually do? Try to really find out more about it because I knew I didn't want to spend, you know, eight hours a day sitting in, front, sitting in an office in front of a, uh, in front of a computer. And that sort of allowed me to understand what I really wanted to do. Along with speaking to people, I actually looked online and did some online courses, Um, things like the Open University. And you can search, uh, especially at the moment, there's so many different courses out there and try to understand what I, you know, what I was interested in. You know, was it marketing? Was it sales? Was it brands? Um, And there was a There was a university course um, from UEA that I did, and it was it was just a small module, but it was on brands and I thought it was really interesting and then I was like, wow, let's sort of create my own brand um, and then I actually looked into the to the reason why I was successful in swimming. Yes, I was a good swimmer, but it was the people around me that made me good so I wouldn't have been a good swimmer if I didn't have a good coach, if I didn't have a good strength coach, if I didn't have a good setup around me. And going into business on your own, I looked at it like I was an athlete. Like Lewis Hamilton's a great driver on his own, but if he didn't have the mechanics and the team around him, he wouldn't even get off the grid. So I almost looked at business in that sense um, and at an opportunity. Uh, business partner came forward and and yeah we created a brand called Swimsy so it's um yeah it's been
0: really cool that's awesome man huh? yeah Exciting. so really good advice there I think for uh for athletes as well maybe athletes getting towards later stages of the career to so start of thinking about those next steps early we were, we were talking about this with uh Caitlin um the other week on the on the podcast about um yeah dual athlete um careers and and sort of not just having everything in one basket, because you never know when your career might get taken away for an injury or something like that. So, yeah, having two things at once can help in both, I think. Um, oh, but what made you keep in swimming then? Like you say, you swam right till the age of 30, and you're interested in brands, you're interested in these other avenues, but why in swimming? Like I mean, You could see a lot of people thinking they had the mindset of, that's enough of that. I want a complete change and I want to do brands, but, and elsewhere. Yeah, well,
2: one, I guess it's what I know, but I think my passion is swimming. You know, I I love it. I do love it. And I'm sat here today talking to you because I generally do love swimming. Um, I can no longer compete at the highest level and I totally understand that and accept it. So, I, I felt like, you know, I learned to swim when I was five or six and I retired when I was, 30 so that's a a wealth of knowledge that i thought if i left the sport in a capacity it would be lost and much like you guys you're giving back to the swimming community you're showing your passions what you loved in the world of swimming and and feeding that information back and i think that's one thing that's lost in sport um like you said yes i probably could have gone on to different things and And, you know, the things I learned in the swimming world and took it into, you know, whether it is the the city of London or, you know, into into different businesses, I'm sure I could have done that. But my passion is swimming. And it's like, well, how can I connect the dots from the world of swimming, from the pool uh, into the business sector? So that's the, yeah, that's the route I went. Yeah, Yeah, sure.
1: I mean... Part of your your role with Swimsey now does mean that you are there attending these meets at weekends where there's a lot of young swimmers from all across the country. What's it like being back at meets like that, around so many young and ambitious swimmers?
2: It's brilliant. I think for me, it's the opportunity to see these young kids love swimming, um, but also share my experiences. It's you know it's great that you know I'm signing autographs and taking photos with the kids. But also giving them some advice, speaking to the coaches, speaking to the parents, you know, an and everyday little piece of information which I probably took for granted, which I learned through my career is, is potentially very valuable to a young swimmer, um, an ambitious coach or a parent new to the world of swimming. So, you know, that's another opportunity for me to, to give back and, um, and share my knowledge, the things that I learned through, through my sort of career.
0: Yeah, man, it's great to hear. I think, um, for me, one of your biggest assets I I observed of you, because we we used to room together uh, most of the major international competitions for for years, really, Um, used to be uh, mainly your positivity. I mean, I think we could turn it into a drinking game every time Liam says, love swimming on this podcast. (laughs) Take a quick sip. You've already said it loads of time, and if that comes through, you you do enjoy it. Um, but where does that come from? Like, where, where is that, that positivity? Was that something you observed at a young age from older athletes, other people? Was that innate? Was it already there? Like, did you learn that from, from family? Like, where, where's all that positivity come from? Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult
2: one. I, I've, I've probably always been like it. Um, so, whether I was born with it or I was instilled at a very early age through my parents, um, you know, my parents are very positive. Um, our mindset is very, it's, it's, it's difficult to judge. But like loads of people say to me, tell us a time where you failed in swimming. And that question for me is just negative. I'm like, well, I've never failed in swimming. I've not achieved what I wanted to achieve. And this might confuse a few people. I, I, you know, I've certainly done things that um, I haven't achieved what I wanted to achieve for whether that was a medal, a target, a time, a position, uh, a team whatever it is but the word failure is really negative and quite a strong word and I would look at it in a different way and it's like well I've not achieved that but I actually got this out of that experience you know I broke my wrist at one point yes that was a negative but I turned that into a positive and I was like I'm, I made myself a better kicker during that period which then you know six months later helped me win some world medals so it's how can you, you turn a, a negative into a positive? So I think it's just my outlook. And I, yeah, I definitely think it, it was instilled in me from, a, from an early age. Uh, whether I was born with it, I, I don't really know. But it was, it was certainly a um, something I, I've used the whole way through my swimming career and, and, and even schooling, really.
1: Definitely. I, I really like that quote. I know you'll laugh at me for this, but I know Conor McGregor uses it a lot, doesn't he? You either win or you learn. Um, Rather than win or lose, it's win or learn because you you can always take something from whether it's a competition you've done or a training cycle or whatever it is, you you can always take something positive from that to carry through to to your next competition or race or whatever it is, or think, oh, how could I do that better? So, yeah, I think just kind of taking that word to the side a little bit is, is a really nice way of thinking about it, actually, just transforming the word into something else.
0: Yeah, but it's that's really hard though, can't it? Like, I mean, everybody knows, oh, I've got to find the positives, that negativity, everybody know that, but to be able to put that into practice is it, it could be a really, really difficult thing to do, but I feel like you probably demonstrate that better than most people. Um, I think if you surround
2: yourself with the right people, but also educate the people around you. So I was lucky enough to work with some great coaches from my first swim coach, John Randall, to Ben Tilly, to James Gibson. I've had some very, very cool coaches, some, some world-class coaches throughout my career, which has been very lucky. But they instilled some belief and, and, and support in my mindset as well. So, you know, I see lots of people coming out of a pool and, you know, parents asking them or coaches asking them or, or telling them what they thought about their race mm-hmm. rather than actually allowing that swimmer to feed back themselves um, and I remember my coaches doing that with me they said how was it to me and I remember the first time they said it I was like what do you mean you're, you're the coach you should tell me and they were like no no how will you ever learn if I just tell you what I thought you know what happens if I'm not there what happens if I miss your race what happens if something else goes on now and, and, and then it got me thinking so it actually made me think about my race, my performance, not not as a whole, not as a time, not as a position, but like really break the race down. How was my start? Was my reaction good? How was my underwater? What about my breakout? Did the stroke rate feel right? And then my coach would affirm that to me after. And I said, look, I didn't have a good start. Breakout was okay. Stroke rate was a little bit down. And they're like, yeah, it was a little bit down. Do you know what it was a different way of thinking about it, and I thought, for me, that was a, a very positive, because even, even when you don't perform, and people think performance is about a time or a position, I don't necessarily look at it that way. I'm like, well, actually, that part of my race was really good, this wasn't. But I know that wasn't, so I'm gonna put that right for the semifinal or the final, yeah. rather than looking at it as a whole.
1: Yeah. yeah sure I mean that that skill in itself being able to reflect on a race that you've just got out of potentially is it's got to be learned I think so there's a lot of young swimmers out there that at the moment probably aren't quite at that point of you know being ready to do that but it is definitely something that I feel like they should need to be aware of and like you say coaches need to be aware of to help them get there and help them learn that skill because further down the line for me it's probably something i didn't pick up as early as i could have done maybe and it's something that i think gives that some ownership of what they're doing a little bit as well um I, I just think if you can actually pinpoint things in your race that you then want to carry through or change into your next one that's making it yours that's that's really kind of you know you're guiding this journey these are the people lots of people that are around you here to help you and facilitate what you're doing that is their role, it's to help you, but you are driving the bus here and that's what's important and as yeah. you get older, you need to learn that I think, so I mean you had loads of people around you like you said, coaches, strength and conditioning, um, lots of different people, your mum and dad were obviously two really important people that were always there as well, so how big an influence uh, you know and what, what impact did they have on your career do you think, like what where were they there for, like travelling around the world with you or? Yeah.
2: or? Well my but like like most people, um, you know, family members are a, a massive support. They're there when you sort of you're at your, your highs. They're there when you're at the your lows. Um, you know, they do the morning training before you can drive. Uh, so they were, you know, for, for me, they were an integral part of my success. And without them, you know, 100%, I wouldn't have achieved what I I did in the sport. So, um, and that's not just what they instilled in me as a as a younger you know a younger person. Um, but I guess they, you know, helped with the mindset and and gave me the ability to sort of flourish, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my parents were always there supporting me. Um, I think they loved it when I could drive, that I could take myself to morning training. Um, and there was definitely a turning point where, you know, I started making the, the, the British team. Um, and for me, that turning point was was probably quite a big thing because I didn't need to rely on them anymore so they were there for the support but they didn't you know they didn't need to take me to training anymore they didn't need to take me to the competitions I could stay on my own in a in a hotel in London for the for the Olympic trials so there was there was a different emphasis and it almost turned for them to be the enjoyment side of it they they built up this little swimmer And now they're enjoying watching me on the world stage, whether it's at the Olympic Games or uh, the World Championships, Commonwealth Games. And it it became, I I guess it became quite nice for them to enjoy, you know, sit in the crowd and and actually enjoy it as a a spectator, but as a parent. And I think... um, I guess that only really comes later on in your career. But they, yeah, they were a massive support. They, they definitely were. And, um, you know, we still speak about the world of swimming today. And uh, yeah, very fond memories.
0: Mm-hmm. I've just... Uh, <laughs> literally, as you were talking there, just come back to my memory. Uh, I remember being on the podium uh, in India for the Commonwealth Games. You're talking about your parents for you. And the first person I saw after I got the medal was your mum, waving and screaming at me. <laughs> that was great um yeah i oh, sorry i lost you there but, but yeah i think it's just one of them natural progressions where like early on obviously your parents have got more influence and the older you get the sort of less that they're they're involved in a practical sense of taking you uh to to the pool and having to maybe pay for your swimming fees and things like that but they're still probably going to be there and maybe an emotional uh and support uh system as well as well uh, that might Yeah, that's going to depend on individuals, like how much you sort of lean on them still, or how much influence they have, how much you look to them for advice. But I guess gradually that would come be a little bit smaller as well as you went through your career. But yeah, I think that's so natural. Obviously, because we work with quite a lot of younger athletes, and we have a lot of parent involvement and stuff, and we get a lot of these questions about sort of like you know all different aspects of the swimming career and where they should go and how they should help and what they should say to them after races and. uh, yeah, some of these things are, are kind of hard to answer because it depends on the individual relationships. But yeah, I think it's good for parents to hear, like, how much they, you know, from athletes that are successful like yourself, like how much they get involved. Like, did they have to make you go swimming and stuff like that? We get asked quite a lot about what's your mo- – how do you keep them motivated? Do, I mean, is that anything that you ever had to worry about, how to keep motivated? Do your parents have to get involved with that? Or is that just not really an issue for yourself?
2: You know me, Joe. I loved it. I was uh, not not really, you know, yeah. we have down and, you know, you have down seasons. I've, I've had seasons where I've plateaued or even gone backwards and they're the hard ones. Yeah. But again, but that positive mindset comes in. Um So, you know, I, I, I use my parents as a massive support and they were always there to support me, but they didn't push me. They enabled me I think they enabled me to do what I wanted to do and to to grow how I wanted to grow Um, they did say education was very important and and they wanted to support me in that journey alongside um alongside swimming so I I wasn't allowed to just you know not go to school because I had swimming Um, but I actually used it in you know I, I used to love going morning training then to school because I'd been up for three hours, and at lunch break, or at, at the sort of break at ten thirty, whatever we used to have like break time, it it I was starving. I ate my whole lunch. I thought it was the middle of the day. All my friends were asleep for the first couple of lectures, and um, I just thought it was cool. So it it was never uh, never a real challenge for me. And I get asked the question around exams: What do you do for you know exams? But I don't know how to describe this other than to other swimmers who sort of just know, but when you dive in the water, you almost feel free. So I could do it now where I stand on a block, nothing's in my mind, and I dive in and I just feel like, ah. and that before an exam was always good for me. So, But you need to listen to your body. If you, if, so for, before an exam for me, I would actually go training. I might not do the full session if I had to get out and get to school to, to do my GCSEs or A-levels or whatever it was, but I would use it to reset myself and refocus. And I actually felt more alert because of that, going into an exam, rather than you know cramming the last five minutes and, and worrying about things. So, uh, but there was one other thing I sort of wanted to mention about the sort of the positive mindset and it's all about you. And it sounds a bit strange, but actually your posture, So I think I could look around poolside at a junior meet and tell you who swam well and who's not, purely by the way they look, purely by their posture. And this includes parents as well. If the parents were slumped over, their kids probably swam bad. And if they're stood upright, walking tall, they probably swam well. But I would challenge anyone out there like listening to this, trick your body into thinking it's better than it is so actually stand up tall, walk kaya. Honestly, it, it definitely works. And I know it's a bit out there, a bit of a weird thing, but it's it's a really it's a really good way to enforce positive positivity in your body. So, you know, yeah, as you said, like Joe, you just stuck your chest out, stand a bit taller, walk a bit stronger. It sounds stupid, but go out and just try it. In any situation, it will make you feel better.
1: I'm I'm with you I'm with you I I remember listening to a TED talk pretty much on that a few years ago now I can't remember who it's by sorry but it was it was talking not so much from an athlete's perspective but just generally so say people go into a job interview or something like that It, it was sort of saying fake it till you make it so it was saying the more that you can trick your mind by using your body language, that you are positive and you're gonna swim well and you're gonna go and smash it, the more likely you are to actually go and do that. So it, what the TED Talk was saying was, before a job interview, go into a toilet cubicle and stand tall and like chest open and shoulders back, and it does actually make quite a difference. Like you say, it sounds a bit strange, but I've heard a lot of that before. And I do think that can definitely transfer over into being an athlete, whether it's a swimmer or any other sport. Um, And like you say, parents as well, like just to calm their athletes down if they're a bit nervous, sometimes thinking about body language and how much that can have an effect is really important. We do do quite a lot on that with Kids in schools and that as well. Um, how You know, you see a lot of kids in school that are there like that. And they might actually be really interested, but that's not what's coming across to the teacher. And it can actually affect how well you end up engaging with that teacher, therefore learning. And it can, yeah, body language can do a lot. So I'm with you on that. I know what you mean.
2: And, and, and one, one for parents as well, just made me think about that process as well. And, I'm you know, I'm never going to stand out there telling parents how to parent. But you can you can feed information to your young swimmer in a positive or negative way. Like I've I've stood next to parents before where they're like, you know, they're never gonna make it because they're this tall, but and I'm like, Whoa, 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 stop there. You that's that's completely wrong. You know, I was in Olympic final with someone that was six foot eight and also five foot eight in the Olympic final. Do you know what I mean? So you 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 can't you're giving them an excuse to fail in front of them. Like you need to change your mindset and the words that you speak because that isn't positive at all. And I'm one of those people. It's all about surrounding yourself with positive people and actually pulling people up if they're being negative. It's all right to be down. It's all right to be upset. But actually there's a way you can change that, I guess, behaviour. And I think that's really, really important. But it's until you actually think about it and you hear yourself back, oh, yeah, that's probably not the, the best thing to say. So, yeah, it just made me think of that process. And I get, I get told that a lot when I go to swim meets. And I always stop them and say, how, how is that positively affecting your swimmer before they go into a race? You're, gonna, you're already saying they're going to lose. You're already giving them an excuse to lose. It's, it's not about that, especially at this age.
0: No, you can see it as well when you're coming back to that body language as well. You're like in a call room before, before a final and everyone's bunched together, a little high pressure. You can see the people that are feeling that pressure. You can see the person that's trying to fake it and you can see the people that are generally are ready to race. And it's so obvious at, um, at all those different stages, right up to you know, going to the Olympics and things, you will definitely see the different people in the call rooms. You kind of know beforehand who's going to swim well and fingers crossed and hoping for the best (laughs) no i agree totally agree yeah
1: so aside from your role with swimsy uh you've got loads of other different roles which we can't always keep up with (laughs) but i mean i know you that you do a lot with fina with british Swimming. um you've had the athlete leadership program can you tell us a little bit about the other kind of things that you're involved with
2: Yeah, so when I came out of of swimming, um, I was put forward for the UK Sport International Leadership Programme, uh, which I I guess develops people going into leadership positions within the world of, well, within the UK and within the sporting world. So um, it was, you know, it was amazing to be put forward for that. It's it's not one of those things that you can just get on. Uh, So I had the support of British Swimming to enable me to get onto that programme. And I was, you know, combined with lots of, I guess, like-minded people. So there were a few former athletes on there, but, you know, some CEOs, some directors of operations and um, some really high profile people within the world of sport in the UK. Um, And it was really an opportunity to learn from the people around you. So there were different modules and um, the course was over two years. And that gave me a real good stepping stone to you know, what the world of sport was really like. I saw it from an athlete and this gave me a real uh, a real overview from, from all different angles. And it also reinforced one of my beliefs that actually, you know, people like feeding information. So um, I had the opportunity to speak to lots of different like-minded people um, within sport in the UK, which was absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, UK Sports ILP programme was 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 brilliant um and that's also got me on to um you know staying within the world of world of sports staying within the world of swimming so um I was elected onto the BOA uh, so the British Olympic Association's Athlete Commission um last year which was brilliant and also UK Anti-Doping's Athlete Commission so um I'm part of uh, of a group that uh, come together and uh, help support athletes um, and help decisions and, and look about what's going on in the in the world of sport in those areas. So whether that's you know all Olympic sports with Team GB or uh, the world of anti doping uh, across all sort of sports, um, you know, Olympic and Paralympic uh, as well, which is and professional sports, which is which is really really interesting. And again, it's my knowledge of the world of sport. Um, the understanding of the things that I've learned over the years um, pieced with the, the UK sports international leadership program have really given me a, a strong base to go in into this role so it's been it's been really exciting actually and um, I just love talking sport I love talking swimming um, you know I was lucky enough to go to the world swimming champs over in, in in South Korea last year and seeing the seeing the new guys coming through so you know I was looking forward to Tokyo this summer it was going to be be a super exciting meet obviously that's been moved a year um but obviously now being part of this i understand the implications of moving a games um so now all the other you know 33 olympic sports they had a world championships the following year so in 2021 the the olympic games are now going to be there so all of those have now been moved and adapted and changed um so lot's happened in the last few months during this lockdown. So it's affecting everyone at every level of, uh, of sport and life, really.
0: Yeah, right. You must be learning so much. It must be interesting to see everything from the other point of view. So I feel like as an athlete, you just go to these games and you don't really give much thought to like the preparation and setup that's gone into it because you don't notice it when it's all going well. It's when there's a problem that you start to like, look into things. So, yeah, seeing all these different... Uh, People running, running the games from different, you know, different points of view, different jobs, different positions must be uh, it's a pretty cool for you at the minute.
2: Yeah, it is brilliant. It's really fascinating to see the other side. But it's like I said at the beginning, life's easier in your trunks. You know, stay swimming as long as you can. But it's, I think it's really important as an athlete. Like I looked at it as as having my blinkers on. So, you know, like a racehorse puts the blinkers on and they're focused towards a goal. Um I looked at my swimming career as that. And if there was negative energy or if there was something that, was, um, that wasn't that was going to make me a better athlete, it wasn't going to make me faster, I didn't want to know. So it was like, well, I will get rid of that, get rid of that. That's the way I need to go. Whereas when I retired from swimming, I took the blinkers off and I was like, wow, like, this is unbelievable. Seeing the... Seeing the way things actually work um, is yeah is, is absolutely fascinating. So from a you know British Olympic Association and Team GB side of of how much preparation goes into getting the team just on the plane to go to Tokyo is is absolutely huge. So um, and that's the same for World Championships or you know even um, it's one thing I really didn't realize when I swam, but how much work goes into making you know, a competition happen whether it's a club championships or a devon county or a county championships or you know a club meet for me you know you just turn up and you swam you didn't realize how much effort goes into and how many people go in to make that meet happen um so one thing i i made sure i did at the end of my career especially and i probably learned it too late but was to actually thank the people That like is a stressful environment whether it's a, a club uh, a club swim meet or, or whatever, but I would thank the um, the timekeeper. You know, they've given up their, their day or their weekend to support you in your dream in swimming as fast as you can. And, you know, those guys, the volunteers that make these things happen, don't get the praise they deserve. And um, it was one thing I made sure I did. I can't remember what age I really learned that, but every competition, whether it is a local meet, whether it's the Olympic Games, the Commonwealth Games, Europeans, whatever it was, I thank the people around me because I thought they don't without those guys, you that wouldn't happen. And you know, we look back at the, the London 2012 Olympics with with fond memories, and you know, the shining example was the the Games Makers. And about yeah. the Games Makers, the London Olympics wouldn't have happened. So, and they were all volunteers. They were supporting us in our pledge to become the best. Um, so, I think that's that's. Um, I've gone off off piece here, but that's a, that's a big thing to 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 go for as well. And it's again, it's a mindset. There's lots of people supporting you in your journey, even if you don't know they're supporting you. Yeah,
1: definitely. Oh, definitely agree. And the games makers were, yeah, just like one of a kind, weren't they really? Couldn't, couldn't praise them enough for the atmosphere that they created in the park at London, for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, like hopefully now, obviously, with what's going on in the world, Everyone's probably a little bit more aware of stuff like that. Like everybody's doing the clap every Thursday night for all the key workers and stuff like that. It makes you really sort of, yes, yeah, sort of stand back, appreciate those people that are out there kind of helping you in, you know, not always as serious as what's going on now. But yeah, like you say, just the timekeepers at your local meet, the referee, like, you know, all those sort of people. Yeah, everyone that's. <laughs> and
1: I'm sure it would have made their day having Liam Tancock speak to them and say thank you. <laughs> So,
2: you know, <laughs> bonus. Like, I'm quite a relaxed person when I go around to a race, and I know, you know, I've raced Joe for for years, although we're, you know, great mates and, um, and roommates and stuff, so it was always really cool. But when you go to the major, major meets, they're actually told not to speak to you, whereas... um So like the timekeepers or whatever, they're like, allow them to focus unless, you know, unless they want to speak to you. And I was always the relaxed one, you know, saying, how's it going? And um, it was always cool. I always really enjoyed it.
1: Uh, Do you you miss competing?
2: I would say I'm super competitive and I would, you know, in anything I do, I'm I'm competitive. I miss, I miss the swimming but i'm still involved in swimming do i miss competing uh in a way yes and in a way no i'm i you know sat here today i'm not good enough i'm not in a position where i could compete for medals at the olympics or the world championships so do i want to be there when i went to career and be in the final no i actually you know i feel like i've had my time and i was enjoying watching the next generation come through i was enjoying um seeing some fast swimming so you know, I still love it and I still love being around it. Maybe that's why I'm around swimming now, because I'm passionate about that experience. Um, I think for me, especially when I got older, we were surrounded by, you know, our teammates. And, you know, whether that was teammates that you went to, you know, the major meets with or whether it was your teammates you train with day in, day out. You know, I was based in Loughborough University at the, um, and it was a, a great setup there. You guys were obviously there. Uh, And a fantastic group. I was part of the British Swimming Centre within that setup as well. And it was—it almost became like a family. You saw those athletes. You know, I I live 200 miles away from my parents now um, to pursue my world of swimming or my career. So I actually saw, you know, the the teammates and my coaches more than I saw my family. So, again, they see you at your best. They see you at worst. They pick you up. They support you um and it literally does become a family whether it's on training camps or, or back home in in Loughborough University so it was it was a really nice experience to be a part of that and I think if anything I missed that the most you're not surrounded by that small group of like-minded people although you know you're my mates you live down the road and we speak each other you know all the time so we're still surrounding ourselves with those people but you know we're not training together at, in the morning, 7.30 in the morning and 8.00 at night. Do you know what I mean? It's a different vibe. Um, And I think that's probably the most difficult thing to get out of, you know, whether a junior swimmer just stops swimming at a club as soon as you stop, you just lose that side of the family. So it's how you can connect yourself and still stay connected with those people. Like we do, you know, some of my friends, my best friends now are people I, I you know swam with over the years, whether it's at university on the British teams or whether it is back home in Exeter City Swimming Club when I was 10. You know, we're still the same people in the same mindset. And I guess you surround yourself by those people. So do I miss competing? Yes and no. I'd say I
0: missed the, 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 the family feel of swimming the most. Oh, that, was a, that was a long thought out answer. I like that. <laughs> it wasn't an easy one to answer there. I feel like it's been in that community, that family, if you want to call it that, like you say, but everybody with like a goal, everybody's got basically the same goal where like obviously once you, you split up and you go to work, everybody's got individual goals they're trying to accomplish and different lives. So. I so yeah, I feel what you mean on that one. Yeah, uh, you must. I mean, you said before about um, you're watching. Was it uh, the World Championships? You've gone out there. You're watching them. You also had the pleasure of watching. I think as Europeans, watching your 50 back world record go after almost 10 years. Like that's something not everybody's going to be able to. Well, no, going to have the pleasure and the the curse to go through. What's it like to watch that? happen? live
2: yeah it was really really cool so yeah it was the european championships uh a year ago now and um i was there as a spectator i was up there for a few meetings but again i love swimming so i had a a general ticket i was luckily at the finish end um and, and as you say i was lucky enough to be in in the pool and watch my world record get broken so it was a it was a slightly strange feeling but it was one of those things that actually i i was really pleased that i was there to watch it happen i think i'd have been a bit like let down if you know it happened somewhere in america or in a different country and i just heard about it on twitter or social media or a message to just say you know this has happened but to actually physically be there and watch it happen was you know was really something special so you know i was as you say, the world record holder for, for nine years, it was, um, it was a really awesome time to do that, but it was nice to see it get beat as well. So, but the first thing I actually thought about doing was basically I had a normal ticket for the stadium um, up in tall in Glasgow was to basically get a pass to get on poolside to shake the guy's hand. So, um, you know, he, he beat the world record. He's the fastest person in the world. And it's time to move the baton on. So um, I managed to speak to the powers that be. Got myself a pass. Went down and, and sh- uh, shook Clement's hand and said, well done. It's on to you now. So it was it was a really nice experience to be able to do that. Um, so I'm really pleased that I was there and, uh, and able to, really. Uh, yeah, a- an awesome experience. And as you say, there's not many people in the world that will get a world record. And there's even less that will be in the stadium to watch you get beaten. So it was a pretty special moment.
0: There's only Liam that could answer that question like that. I think that's going to be worth another drink on the drinking game. That. <laughs> what was it like to have your world record taken? Awesome. <laughs> that, <laughs> I, yeah, I appreciate what you mean by that. That's good. Yeah, it must be... Uh, it wouldn't be as nice just to hear it and gone and somebody mentioned it to you on Twitter. But what was the guy like? Have you met him personally? Nice lad? Yeah,
2: he seemed, I, don't, I don't know him. Um, but a guy called Clement from Russia. Uh, he's actually coached by my former uh, former coach, James Gibson. So it's um yeah, he's with the Energy Standard team out in Turkey, and I know he travels quite a bit. So um yeah, he's a young gun. He's he's tall and he's he's fast. That's what swimming's about, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, that's like coming full circle. Your old coach uh, training up the next guy. <laughs> yeah. Awesome
1: yeah no that was brilliant and like you said we've spoken a lot about positivity and how much of a difference it can make and i know on a previous podcast we've had georgia davis shout you out for that as well she was uh look, looked up to you for that and i can vouch for it obviously i've trained with you for 18 months two years as well with james gibson and um yes you are definitely the most positive person i know so <laughs> so well done thanks for helping us through training liam <laughs> You,
2: you you've got to get through it somehow haven't
0: you <laughs> awesome mate thanks for today really loved having you on is there anywhere that um the guys can uh, follow you follow your journey where can they go to get some um be Swimsy caps and t-shirts yeah so we're we're online at swimsy.com so
2: s-w-i-m-z-i.com uh we're on all social media, and we're just trying to have a bit of fun with it so yeah, please feel free to go and check out the website, check out the social media. We're doing some fun things with people swimming in the pools, people sending us, um, you know, different clips of what they're doing in lockdown, whether it's baking swimming cakes, um, you know, the Swimsy Water Challenge, or, you know, we did a fun thing out the window and, and dropped the hat and it plopped on my head the other day, which was quite cool. So, yeah, check out Swimsy on social media. But, yeah, appreciate the support and thanks for having me. Brilliant.
1: Oh, uh, you're welcome. Thank you for, thanks for uh, speaking to us, Lim. Right, stay safe. We'll cheers, see you right. soon, hopefully. <laughs>